take your hand, put it on your head, and repeat after me. Say, Lord, Lord. my meathead is going on the shelf. My carnal mind will shut up. My ears are open to the spirit. My eyes are open to the spirit. I just want you, God. I throw away every other expectation and I seek your face. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Lord, I am nothing. You are everything. Lord, I go low, (laughs) and you are exalted high. Jesus, you said that if we lift you up, you will draw all men and women towards you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Lord, we know that you said in your word that preaching is as foolishness. So thank you, Lord, for letting us be a fool for you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. There's a lot of preachers out there that, um, you know, I mean, God bless their hearts, but they've misled us all into thinking that preaching was some great and glorious thing when the word said that it was foolishness. And the word said that God used the foolish things to confound the wise. So if you come in here today and you're like, I'm wise, just realize there's a scripture in here talking about you. And just, you know, just put your wisdom aside and trade it for the wisdom of God. Um, So today, obviously, y'all know I'm kind of obsessed with the word of God. And um, uh, every people get confused about, like, who we are because my husband mentions Pentecostal. And one day we'll do an illustration. Maybe Anna can do it for me. But, um, but we have, we do have Pentecostal roots. And then we have some word of faith roots. And then we have some roots everywhere. But really we're rooted and grounded in the word of God. So, so before you go ahead and just start naming off names of famous preachers, just stop and just know that when, whenever any of our pastors are putting together a message for you that we have sought the Lord himself, we haven't gone to sermons.com, we're not a part of any uh, planned ark church that tells us what to do on the messages that day or gives us the graphics or the structure Uh, You know, not to be mean and the pressure to conform and the pressure to do that so that we would be just be bursting at the seams with four services on a Sunday and burning our brains out of our head and not able to physically function and not able to carry on a marriage or a family. That that's all rubbish. We have fought, you know, whenever our, our singers sing, we make space and we make room. We're serious about that. We're serious about the joy of the Lord, and it's in the word of God. So, okay, go with me. I have uh, some of the scriptures I'm going to uh, read to you today. We're going to put on the screen, and, and some I'm just going to tell you. But, okay, Revelation chapter 2. Now I realize that all of these chapters could be broken down and take seven years to get through. But, you know, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's going to reveal what he wants to reveal to your mind and your heart. The great thing about this is even though it's written to churches as a whole, it's also written to individuals. Even though it was written to churches then, it's still written to them now. Amen? Okay. So to the angel messenger of the assembly church, and this is Amplified Classic, this is what I love, in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars, which are the messengers of the seven churches. In his right hand, who goes about among the seven golden lampstands, which are the seven churches. I know your industry and activities, laborious toil and trouble, and your patient 
endurance and how you cannot tolerate wicked men and have tested and critically appraised those who call themselves apostles, special messengers of Christ, and yet are not and have found them to be imposters and liars. I know you are enduring patiently and you are bearing up for my name's sake and you have not fainted or become exhausted or grown weary, but I have this one charge to make against you that you have left abandoned the love that you had at first. You have deserted me, your first love. Remember then from what heights you have fallen. Repent, change the inner man to meet God's will, and do the works you did previously when first you knew the Lord. Or else I will visit you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you change your mind and repent. Yet you have this in your favor and to your credit. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, what they are doing as corruptors of the people, which I myself also detest. In some, in some versions of the Bible, it says he hates it. The Lord hates it. And he has given you the power to hate, just make sure that you're hating the right thing, okay? Okay. He who is able to hear, let him listen and to give heed to what the Spirit says to the assembly's churches. To him who overcomes is victorious. I will grant to eat of the fruit of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Woo! And to the angel messengers of the assembly church in Smyrna write, these are the words of the first and last who died and came to life again. I know your affliction and distress and pressing trouble and your poverty, but you are rich. And how you are abused and reviled and slandered by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Fear nothing that you are about to suffer. Dismiss your dread and your fears. Behold, the devil is indeed about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested and proved and critically appraised. And for ten days you will have affliction. Be loyally faithful unto death, even if you must die for it, and I will give you the crown of life. He who is able to hear, let him listen and to heed what the Spirit says to the assembly's churches. He who overcomes is victorious, shall in no way be injured by the second death. Then to the angel messenger of the assembly church in Pergamum write, these are the words of him who has and wields the sharp two-edged sword. I know where you live, a place where Satan sits enthroned, yet you are clinging to and holding fast my name. And you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one who was killed, martyred in your midst where Satan dwells. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You... Have some people there who are clinging to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to set a trap and a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to entice them to eat food that had been sacrificed to idols and practice lewdness, giving themselves up to sexual vice. You also have some who in a similar way are clinging to the teaching of the Nicolaitans, those corruptors of the people, which thing I hate. Repent then, or else I will come to you quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Wait, what? God's going to come and fight against them with the sword of his mouth. Don't take it upon yourself to go around thinking that you are the great corrector. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. Just give it over to the Lord's hands. If you see something, pray about it. Some people are like, take the worldly road, and they're like, if you see something, say something. Well, you might be talking out of your backside. I'm sorry, but, you know, just pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray the will of God. He who is able to hear, let him listen and to heed what the Spirit says to the assembly's churches. To him who overcomes, conquers, I will give to each of the manna that is hidden. And I will give him a white stone with a new name engraved on the stone, which no one knows or understands except he who receives it. And to the angel messenger of the assembly church in Theatra write, these are the words of the Son of God, who has eyes that flash like a flame of fire, and whose feet glow like bright and burnished in white hot bronze. I know your record and what you are doing, your love and faith and servant service, 
and patient endurance, and that your recent works are more numerous and greater than your first ones. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, claiming to be inspired, and who is teaching and leading astray my servants and beguiling them into practicing sexual vice and eating food sacrifice to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she has no desire to repent of her immorality, symbolic of idolatry, and refuses to do so. Take note, I will throw her on a bed of anguish, and those who commit adultery with her, her paramours, I will bring down to pressing distress and severe affliction unless they turn away their minds from conduct such as hers and repent of their doings. And I will strike her children, her proper followers, dead, thoroughly exterminating them, and all the assemblies, churches, shall recognize and understand that I am he who searches minds, the thoughts, the feelings, and purposes, and the inmost hearts, and I will give to each of you the reward for what you have done as your work deserves. But to the rest of you in Theatra who do not hold this teaching, who have not explored and known the depths of Satan, as they say, I tell you that I do not lay upon you any other fresh burden, only hold fast to what you have until I come. So even in that congregation, there were people there that lived in purity. Isn't that good news? In every congregation, there are people who hold fast to the purity of the Lord. And he who overcomes is victorious and who obeys my commands to the very end, doing the works that please me. I will give him authority and power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a scepter, rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces. And his power over them shall be like that which I myself have received from my father. And I will give him the morning star. There's so much to explore in here and I can't get into all of it right now. He who is able to hear, let him listen to and heed what the Holy Spirit says to the assembly's churches. Now, chapter 3. And to the angel messenger of the assembly church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who has the seven spirits of God, the sevenfold Holy Spirit. And the seven stars, I know your record and what you are doing. You are supposed to be alive, but in reality you are dead. Rouse yourselves and keep awake, strengthening and invigorating what remains and is on the point of dying. For I have not found a thing that you have done, any work of yours meeting the requirements of my God, or perfect in his sight. So call to mind the lessons you received and heard. Continually lay them to heart and obey them and repent in case you will not rouse yourselves and keep awake and watch. I will come upon you like a thief and you will not know or suspect what, at what hour I will come. Yet you still have a few persons' names in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes and they shall walk with me in white because they are worthy and deserving. Thus shall he who conquers is victorious, be clad in white garments, and I will not erase or blot out his name from the book of life. I will acknowledge him as mine, and I will confess his name openly before my father and before his angels. That one scripture right there is why Pentecostals do not believe in one saved, always saved. Because it's talking about the book of life, and it says, you know, initially their name was written in the book of life, but it says that he could blot it out. So we always have to bring our hearts before the Lord, like, Lord, search me. There's an old prayer that says, not my brother, not my sister. And in church, you know, we call each other brother and sister. Not my brother, not my sister, but me, oh, Lord. I am the one always standing in the need of prayer. It's me. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> He was able to hear, let him listen to, and heed what the Holy Spirit says to the assemblies, the churches. And to the angel messenger of the assembly in Philadelphia, write, these are the words of the Holy One, the true one. He who has the key of David, who opens and no one shall shut, who shuts and no one shall open. I know your record works and what you are doing. See, I have set before you a door wide open, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power... And yet you have kept my word and guarded my message and have not renounced or denied my name. Take note, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and learn and acknowledge that I have loved you. <laughs> 
Because you have guarded and kept my word of patient endurance, have held fast to the lesson of my patience with the expectant endurance that I give you, I also will keep you safe from the hour of trial, testing, which is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell upon the earth. Wait, what? Ooh, I'm finding special little gems over here. Pastor Joe, because you have guarded and kept my word, of patient endurance, I'm reading it again, I also will keep you safe from the hour of testing. I will keep you safe from the hour of trial. Ooh, oh yes, claim it, that's my portion, hallelujah. If you've been here Friday and Saturday night, you've heard Pastor Caleb talking about Uh, last night he was talking about John, the disciple God loved. Now, all the other disciples died horrible deaths. I mean, it's disgusting. If you really go through it, it's very dramatic. Upside down on a cross. One of them had his flesh filleted off his body. I mean, just sweet Lord. Like, we have to talk about these things in church, you know. (laughs) And uh, he he just got exiled to an island. (laughs) Oh, woe is me. (laughs) Like, make this your determination. I will be, say this now, I will be the one the Lord loves. You've got these promises in the word that you can believe for. I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may rob you and deprive you of your crown. He who overcomes is victorious. I will make him a pillar in the sanctuary of my God. He shall never be put out of it or go out of it. And I will write my name on him, the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, and the the new Jerusalem, which descends from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who can hear, let him listen to and heed what the Spirit says to the assemblies, the churches. And to the angel messenger of the assembly church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the trusty and faithful and true witness, the origin and beginning and author of God's creation. I know your record of works and what you are doing. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered and grown wealthy, and I am in need of nothing. And you do not realize and understand that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Therefore, I counsel you to purchase from me gold refined and tested by fire, that you may be truly wealthy, and white clothes to clothe you and to keep the shame of your nudity from being seen, and sell to put on your eyes that you may see. Those whom I dearly and tenderly love, I tell their faults and convict and convince and reprove and chasten. I discipline and instruct them. So be enthusiastic and in earnest and burning with zeal and repent, changing your mind and attitude. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears and listens to and heeds my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and I will eat with him. And he will eat with me. He who overcomes is victorious. I will grant him to sit beside me on the throne as I myself overcame, was victorious, and sat down beside my father on his throne. He who is able to hear, let him listen and to heed what the Holy Spirit says to the assemblies, the churches. Oh, sweet Lord. Help me, Jesus. Last night I was sitting on the front row and Pastor Joe kind of leaned over. He's like, are you okay? You know, I probably had that like constipated look on my face because I was just in deep concentration. Like he thought I was in pain or something. And I'm like, no, no, I'm just, I'm like trying to like listen for the Holy Spirit. And um, Lord, what do you want to say to your people, you know? It's not my will, but his be done. And and it it. It always kind of like throws me for a loop when, when one of our pastors will get up and be like, yes, we've come alongside and we want to support the vision of Pastor Caleb and Pastor Kirsten. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, right, true. 
But we, what, how we view it is this is the vision of the Lord. So really what we see is that the pastors have come alongside to support the vision that God has. And the vision that God has is I want a place. And, and let, me, let me open this up to you, okay, where I come from. The altar is always open. Okay, you're not going to throw me or Pastor Caleb, just so the ushers and security know, the altar is always open. Do not stop them from coming. And then the other thing, the quickest way, because Pastor Caleb wanted me to talk on revival and all that, the quickest way to pervert revival, a pure, true move of God, is just to have any old Yahoo come in and lay hands on you. And I'm a pastor. I'm extremely protective of you. Like you were my own daughters. Excuse me, but the Bible says know those that work amongst you. How do we know they're not some homeless bum off the street wanting to give you an impartation? Excuse me, I don't want what you have, brother. You don't even know how to keep a roof over your head. Get away from me. And then the other thing is, who do I think I am? This should be, I'll ask the Lord, who do I think I am? If you have a word of prophecy, great. Write it down. Tell them after service in the parking lot. Do not go and interfere and think that, listen, when the presence of God is falling, when Jesus is touching people, I don't have to. You know, I didn't make any, any statements about the Asbury revival because I, it's awesome. It doesn't maybe look what, like what I've experienced, and it doesn't have to. It's awesome. It's people desiring God in whatever form that takes. I just say, bless them, Jesus, and protect them, Lord. Protect them from wicked people who come in our midst. Protect them from people who participate in witchcraft. We don't like to highlight that because I want God to be your great obsession. I want Jesus to be your great obsession. There's so much in him that people are missing out when you focus on just the enemy. He's under our feet. He's defeated. He only has a third of innumerable. We have two thirds that cannot be numbered. We know the end of the book. We know that we are victorious. I don't have to know the name of my enemy. I only have to know the name of my God. So because everybody always has something to say, oh, God, writing whole articles on why this is a move of God and why this isn't a move of God. Oh, sweet Jesus. There's things to be obsessed with, and that's not it. Just you focus on the Lord. How about that? All right, so I didn't have them put this on the screen. And is Psalm 85, 6, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Or Habakkuk 3, 2, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Psalm 80, 18, give us life. You guys don't have to turn there. I'm reading this really quick. And we will call upon your name. Isaiah 57, 15. Thus says the one who is on high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Ephesians 3.16, may he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. The meaning of revival, so people, I've heard people say that revival is not even the Bible. I just read to you a bunch of instances where it says revive, 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 revive. And I read all through Revelation, when it said, return, 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 return to your first love. Return to the one that you came to in the first place. The meaning of revival, the actor instance 
of reviving, the condition of being revived, a restoration to use acceptance, activity, or vigor after a period of obscurity or quiescence, a new presentation of an old, whatever, that's not stupid, a time of reawakened interest, it says here religion, but really relationship, a meeting or series of meetings for the purpose of reawakening faith, often characterized by impassioned preaching and public testimony. A restoration to validity of something lapsed or set aside. An awakening means the act of awakening from sleep. Awakening from sleep. An arousing from what is like sleep. A revival of interest in attention to what has been neglected. So revival to me is returning to my first love. And I have to do it all the time. I grew up in revival. My father builds himself as a revivalist. Because his passion is that. I've heard a lot of people give a lot of meanings to revival. But from the word standpoint, it's always to return to the first love. That's why we sing, fall afresh on me. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> Pastor Caleb and I have had encounters with the Lord. It always amazes me that people are amazed at our zealous passion and burning for the Lord. That amazes me. Why are you shocked? It's right here. It says that we're, we're supposed to be passionate about him. Well, Pastor Kirsten, you know, that's just not me. This is not the way. You know, I'm very cerebral and I'm very intellectual. So am I. Thank you, God, that he blitzed me as a kid. And I'm not saying he can't take your brain and shake it so that you get out of your head and you get into the spirit. I'm not saying he can't do that. He can, but your heart has to desire it. I have to come into alignment with his word. God just breathe. Oh. Oh. Whenever I want to fall out up here, I just hear my dad going, you were born for this, you were bred for this, function under the unction. <laughs> oh, yes, sir. could get swept away so so easily. I was like, why? Why did I? I was such a mess when Joy was doing praise and worship in our band. I was like, seriously, guys, oh, Lord, how am I supposed to work, do this now? I'm, I was a mess. I already cried off half my makeup. Oh. I have not yet met a, a, a waterproof mascara that can last a revival service. I just don't even bother. And falsies, forget it. Now, now, that thing will be flapping off my eyelid. <laughs> no, I don't even try. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> okay, Acts 3.19. So repent, change your mind and purpose, turn around and return to God that your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean, and that times of refreshing, of recovering from the effects of heat, of reviving with fresh air may come from the presence of the Lord. <laughs> oh, Friday night, I was like, you know, I was a little disturbed because I was like, Lord, you know, there's people that really need to be here because I know what you're about to bring and, you know, and they weren't here for whatever reason. And Saturday night, the crowd grew. But I still, I, you know, you always feel that, like, oh, man, Lord, there was something you wanted to do in that person's life. And they're not even here. So how do we even start revival? Look, we seek God. If you seek a move, you seek a miss. If you seek 
If you seek an experience, you seek a miss. If you seek the joy, you seek a miss. If you seek tears, you seek a miss. If you seek the shaking, the quaking, the stuck on the floor, stuck to the wall, running around the building, you seek a miss. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. I am not scared. A lot of people are. I'm not scared when somebody takes off running. I'm not afraid. I grew up my whole life. There's three things that can happen in a revival service. Number one, the pure move of the Holy Spirit in somebody's life, where they're yielded to him. Number two, the flesh, because I don't know, people want to fake it. I don't get it, but, you know, it's, it's not, <laughs> I don't know, it's kind of harmless because, you know, this person over there is going to look at that person over there and they're going to be like, they're faking it and they're right, they're not wrong. You know, but it's hard for us as pastors to always get up and explain this every single time. And then the third thing that can happen is that it could be a demonic manifestation. Again, I'm not scared. If you're scared, look into your heart and mind and say, Lord, clean me and fill me with your Holy Spirit so that nothing else can come and dwell inside. Amen? There's a way to guard against that. So, and then, the, okay. Me and PC, we hate with a passionate fire every bit of advice that comes from ex-witches and ex-warlocks. Do you know why? Because they are still obsessed with their former master. And it is so annoying. It just, ugh. I'm like, do you know how amazing he is? Do you know? <laughs> oh, my Lord. <laughs> You can't even, we can't even describe. Pastor Joe has, a, he has his own encounters, but he has encounters with, that his dad had when his dad was taken to heaven. So we've had long conversations about this. That's why I, I'll turn to him for a lot during my messages. We've had long conversations about the, these encounters that marked the entire Bennett family. And I've, ha I've had encounters with the Lord as well, and um, guys, just know that when you come into the church, I know, you know, there's a, been a lot of tearing down of religious structures and tearing down of systems and strategies that were man-made, and, and that needs to happen. But, but what has come along with that is that people come into this space and they don't see anything as sacred anymore. There's still sacred moments. There's still the waiting on the Lord. I'm believing God for just the revelation of holiness to hit his church. God is pure love but he's pure holiness. Three years ago, <coughs> we were at the stand and your pastor Caleb was preaching. And I've been on a lot of pure, like, revival meetings. Sorry, I didn't finish my last point. I'm going to come back. <laughs> That's what was happening. Okay, so this ex-witch came into my father's services and saw the joy of the Lord hitting people. And she could see into the spirit realm. She'd seen demons all the time. And as people laughed, the demons came out and left the building. So if you wonder why I d I'm not a demon hunter and I don't go around like grabbing people's heads and like giving them uh, the reverse chiropractic adjustments, <laughs> it's because I know that the joy of the Lord, the supernatural joy of the Lord is delivering them. Those evil spirits, those devils, they are gone. No, it's up to them to keep their freedom. It's the same as when they go 
to a deliverance ministry, again, I have a big problem with that. Yes, we are supposed to lay hands on the sick, see people healed. We've seen that. We're pretty terrible about announcing that. I went to the back years ago. I mean, it might have been in the first year of our ministry. I went to the back to go to the bathroom. There was a lady, an old lady there, and she asked me for prayer. And she said, I can't hear out of my ears. She's like 83. So I just grabbed her gently. It wasn't a big production. It wasn't very dramatic. Hard to imagine, I know. And, and I grabbed her, and I just prayed gently over her that the Lord would heal her ears. And I took my hands off her head, and she goes, I can hear, I can hear. And that, those testimonies have been repeated on and on and on and on and on and on and on, not just through my hands, but through the hands of our pastors and through the hands of our people. Thank you, Jesus. What a blessing. Okay, so now back to the stand. Three years ago, I don't know if it was September, I don't know if it was October, the, the, the covering wasn't on the field yet, it's a big field, and Pastor Caleb's preaching, and it's just like a normal revival service, and it's amazing, and all of a sudden, the atmosphere changed, and it got so thick, and so heavy, and now... <laughs> Oh, even in this church, guys, we have felt the Shekinah. I don't know if you know, it's too, it's too little time to go into full word study. That's on you, boo. Um, Shekinah is the soft, uh, light, misty presence. We experience that here all the time. Thank you, Jesus. And I never take it for granted. But there are times when the Kabod comes in. And the Kabod feels like, I'm from Africa, so it feels like an elephant is sitting on top of you, but you are not being crushed. And so before I get into what I saw, Libby, would you come up here? Because I saw something, and I was so shaken, and I looked at Libby, and, and she came over. You can, yeah, sure. And she came over, and uh, I, I needed somewhere for it to go because it just felt like I was going to explode. And a lot of people don't like that feeling. I've become acquainted with that feeling, and I know what to do. So I just hugged her. Libby, what did you feel? Um, I remember before that had happened, I, like, I don't know why, but I was kind of overwhelmed with this uh, weight that I had been feeling for a while. Like, a lot of things that were going on at that time, um, it was just really overwhelming. Like, there was, like, a, a heaviness that I was feeling, almost like the opposite of what you were feeling. The heaviness I, of the enemy. Instead of, of the, the enemy, yeah. I was feeling really heavy. I don't I don't really remember if I had sang that night or if I had come, but I, I remember I wasn't on stage. I was next to you while I think our team was, like, up on the stage. I wasn't even up there. And I had felt a lot of heaviness. And I just remember you grabbing me. And it was like I just, like, broke down in her arms. And I remember feeling, like, the covering of like a mother in a sense and like the weight of that removed and the weightiness of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Lord. But I remember, I, I don't remember what you said to me, but I remember you were like sobbing and telling me what the Lord was showing you. And it just like completely replaced that heaviness, that burden of betrayal that I was feeling and replaced it with the covering and the protection of my pastor, but the Lord through her. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, help me articulate it. Libby didn't know what I saw. But as I, I mean, I was sitting, I'm on, I was on the ground. I wasn't in a chair. We were on the, on the ground. And um, I'm just going to ask that nobody moves around right now. Just, just treat this like it is. It is a holy place. It is a sacred space. It's a whole nother message entirely to tell you when I first saw Jesus. And I've told Pastor Joe this, that he can, he knows. I don't talk about it much because I turn into a blubbering idiot. But that's why I can say with all confidence that he is pure love 
but he's also pure holiness, and I'm telling you, his love is furious. It's so furious. It's it's violent, and I <laughs> it's so hard to explain because in and of ourselves as humans, we're so limited and we're so finite, and my love doesn't even begin to touch his love. <laughs> But this time on the field when PC was preaching and the total atmosphere shifted in the room, on the field, it wasn't even a room. <laughs> it didn't even have a roof. And I had my eyes closed. It was different than the first experience in this because the first experience, my eyes were open. <laughs> But what I read to you in Revelation, <laughs> I saw, <laughs> I saw the white horse, and I saw, God saw the Lord, <laughs> and I saw his hair was white, and his eyes were fiery, <laughs> and I saw his sword, and I saw, and I just felt, and I knew he's coming back soon, <laughs> and I know, I know how many preachers have said that. I know, <laughs> but it's true, and I just felt it, and I said, thank you, Lord. It was just this feeling to be like, thank you, Lord, that I'm in the middle of your will. Thank you, Lord, that you could use me, little old me. <laughs> God, some people don't even like me, and that's okay. I just want them to love you. this <laughs> It's Pastor Caleb's heart cry. <laughs> he always said that we're just the spiritual match.com, arranging a meeting for you to meet the one <laughs> who loves you like we can't love you. <sighs> oh, and I've never ever shared this. I don't even know if my husband's ever heard it. It took me three years to be able to say it. <laughs> and he's coming soon. And PC said when we first launched this traveling evangelist, and I'm sorry I'm a blubbering idiot, I'm fully aware of that. <laughs> when we first launched this traveling evangelist, he said <laughs> that God told him <laughs> to prepare the churches. The churches. All those churches that I read about. All of the churches. Get them ready. <laughs> and I didn't feel like I needed to revisit the scripture about the, the, the virgins because PZ's covered it both nights. But we need oil in our lamp. <laughs> and we need, the <laughs> we need to encounter the love of God. And I know that on a Sunday morning, there's always the Pharisees, the wouldn't sees, the couldn't sees. If Jesus had them, then we'll have them too. And it's annoying. <laughs> and just like the Re book of Revelation says, those that endure till the end shall be saved. That means the end of time, but sometimes it also means the end of the service. You know, when I went to Israel, the upper room is ginormous. It could probably hold 600 people, and God only knows if it's the real one. You know, you never know in Israel. But it's so big, and the fact is only 120 were left that day. Only 120 remained, so I'm always like, Lord, this is my prayer, and I know it to be true. Lord, everybody that stays till the end that reverences your presence, I thank you, Father, for special gifts for that. I'm believing God for special gifts for you. And I want that for everybody. I so desire it. It's such a weird thing to be a minister. It's such a weird thing to care about more than just your own family. Now, you must care about your own family. But when you're a minister, you care about everybody. And Pastor Caleb and I have been broken for people in this church and crying out to God, Lord, <laughs> expose the lies and let them see. Let them see, God. Let us live in truth, Lord. We're constantly going, Lord, 
Just like David, clean hands, pure heart. Clean hands, pure heart. And when we dance up here, it's not, it's not anything, not a show we've put on. Trust me. Ask me to jump that high normally. I'll say no. You know, <coughs> I need to exercise more. I need more cardio. But I'm 40. I'm feeling those limitations. <laughs> when you see me going crazy up there, it should be a sign and a wonder. Sometimes... <laughs> Back to people who say, that's not me, Pastor Kirsten. I can't get all rowdy like that. And my dad always used to use the example of, okay, how about we douse you in gasoline and light you on fire? <laughs> I don't care how introverted you are. If you're lit on fire, amen? How about we take you outside, open a car door, stick your hand in it, and smash your hand in the car door? <laughs> How introverted are you are in that moment? Are you? How are you? No. Suddenly, a scream will come from the depths. So if we're truly encountering the Lord, then it, something's going to happen, but only if we submit ourselves to it. Because the Holy Spirit of God is a gentleman, and he doesn't force anything on you. And that's why you know that you can be safe in the River Claremont, because we're not going to go and grab you and shove you around and give you a barf bag and, oh, my God, the, the zoo that goes on. And trust me, I know when the Holy Spirit breaks out, I've sat like as a child going, okay, now which one is this? Is this the spirit? Is this the flesh? Or is this a demon? And then just watching and just praying in tongues under my breath that the Lord is going to take care of it. Knowing that I don't have to in interfere, but at, even as a 10-year-old who, who I got touched when I was six, turning seven in revival, I laughed for three hours. You cannot get a six-year-old to laugh for three hours. That is not physically possible. I laughed myself to sleep. The only reason I know it was three hours is because my parents were timing it. They carried me to the bed. There have been many, 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 many encounters. So many encounters that when the devil came to me in multiple times in my life, just as he came to Jesus and, and, and tried to get me to doubt, I said, no, <laughs> you're too late for that. But he will get you in your carnal mind, in your carnal moments, when all you're full of is the world, and he will tell you to doubt a lot of people get confused with the word faith because it's been said so much, it's lost its meaning. But faith is simply this. Faith is believing God. We believe he is who he says he is. We believe he's real and we believe he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. We seek him because we know that in his presence, everything else fades away. Nothing else is important, and God meets the needs in his presence. If the need is that your marriage is in trouble, he meets those needs. If the need is that your kids are in trouble, he meets those needs. If the need is that you're sick in your body, he meets those needs. He made you. He can heal you. <laughs> he made you. Oh, he made you, and he loves you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Every single denomination that was formed was birthed out of passionate zeal for the Lord, even the Presbyterians and the Lutherans and the Methodists. They all had fiery evangelists. And everybody was like, oh, my Lord, these preachers are crazy. 
Yeah, it's historically so. Preachers that are obsessed with and in love with the living God, we are crazy. And there was a moment in my life where I was like, Lord, just let me serve you from the sidelines. Lord, just let me be a labor and delivery nurse. I love babies. Pastor Summer is a labor and delivery nurse. We laugh about it all the time. I was studying. I was doing my prerequisites to be a labor and delivery nurse. I was just going to go about my normal life, serve in the church, just hold up the hands of the pastor, whatever they want. I know I can do most of it, you know. I've been trained in there almost every area of ministry. I love the nursery and kids' church and words and sound, whatever. Camera, I can do it, I, whatever you need. Not, not from an arrogant perspective, just, and if I don't know, I'll learn. I can serve in the church. And um, the Lord, I was worshiping the Lord in the shower, and Pastor Caleb was like, you know, if it wasn't for either of us, neither one of us would be in ministry. Okay. <laughs> iron sharpens iron. <laughs> so he's like, let's go into ministry. I was like, no. Let's go into ministry. No. Let's go into ministry. No. Let's go into ministry. No. No. I grew up in ministry my whole life. I know what the sacrifice is. I know what it takes. I know the commitment it takes. And I just didn't want to do it. I just want to live my life, Lord. Just leave me alone. My problem was I prayed a prayer. I don't recommend it. A prayer of consecration that says, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say, and I'll do what you want me to do. That prayer will mess you up. Now you can't do what you want to do because you've already said that you would. You made a vow to the Lord, and you have to remain true to that vow. Why? And they don't warn you. I'll warn you. Every time they do a consecration, what do you know? Just so you know, all those other plans you had, just kiss them goodbye. They gone. It's over. I was like, Lord, I could just be a blessing. Just sitting here doing whatever, whatever you want me to do. If you want me to sing, I'll sing because you know I love you. If you want me to, whatever you want me to do. Pastor Caleb and I were just ministering to the middle schoolers, which I, I think is wonderful. I love it. You know, whatever opportunity you get, take it as a blessing from the Lord and, and see those people, no matter what their age, if they're six weeks if they're six months, if they're six years old, if they're 60 years old, if they're 102, whatever, whenever you have been given the opportunity to minister, you're ministering as an oracle of God and you should go into it with fear and trembling. You should say, Lord, give me a love for those people. Let me value them as much as you value them, especially in that moment. Lord, I thank you, Father, that your love is poured out on all of these people. Lord, I thank you that they would receive from you, that they would receive from heaven, Lord Jesus, that you are the only thing that they will be filled up with and they will desire to seek you all the days of their life. Oh, God, yes, yes. It always annoys me when preachers preach that you should be in the fivefold ministry. I'm like, that's short-sighted. That's not what we're all supposed to do. The five-fold ministry is for the equipping of the saints, for them to do the work of the ministry. We have to encourage you with the word of God and the spirit of God so that when you go out, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, everybody's encountering you. You have a unique sphere of influence when you are welding, when you are teaching, when you're cooking the best barbecue in Leesburg. You have a unique sphere of influence that me and Pastor Caleb do not have. So, you know, what we do is we make space for the presence of God and the power of God. But what happens is, is that the fire of God comes with it. And the fire, it's a little uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie. 
Every time it hits, it's a little uncomfortable for me too. But that's okay. Just deal with it. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Deal with the discomfort. You know, for years, Pastor Caleb and I have always said, well, you know, the seeker-friendly churches, they have their place, and, you know, they're doing a, a job in the kingdom, na-na-na-na-na. But regretfully, the doctrine is so very shallow that it's producing such a selfish generation. And the Bible says that that would happen, that they would be lovers of self more than lovers of God. What do you mean? I love God. More? Do you love him more than your stomach? Do you love him more than your life? Do you love him more? Oh, he doesn't require much, just everything. The Bible says his yoke is easy and his burden is light, meaning that the yoke and burden of the world is very heavy. But with the Lord, there's still a yoke and there's still a burden. And keep me tethered, Lord. Keep me tethered to the word of God. Pastor Caleb and I, and I believe all of our pastors here, we're acutely aware of the great white throne of judgment. We're acutely aware that we will have to give account for every word that we say. That's why I pray, Lord, <laughs> you say it. Because if I say the words that he says, I'm safe. I don't know about you, but I want to be safe. I grew up in, in you know, ooh, there were some services, and you're five years old, and you're like, Am I wicked? Am I wicked, Lord? Am I wicked? <laughs> you know, when you were 10 and your mom left you home alone and back in the day before cell phones and stuff, and uh, like she, she didn't have a cell phone, so she's not calling you, she's taking too long to come home, and you're like, they've been raptured. <laughs> and I'm all alone. <laughs> what did I do, Lord? <laughs> Oh, I thought that thought was so bad. Jesus, I fought with my sister. Oh, forgive me. That's totally foreign to Pastor Caleb. That's not the way he grew up. But me and Prophet Charlie were like, man, did you see the, the ghost in the darkness? Did you see the thunder, the sudden thunder? It was these movies in the 70s. And it was like all about the end times. And oh my God, those were, those were Pentecostal horror movies. <laughs> so the minute your parents took too long to come home, you're like, ah, left behind. Oh God. You're going into repentance. Uh, repentance is the key to revival. So if you, you know, you know your heart. You offer your own heart to the Lord. I don't know it. He knows it. And say, Lord, you know, create in me a clean heart. This should be a continual process. Just like you have to eat every day. Just like you should shower most every day. The cleansing should be daily. The realigning should be daily. Um, but, <laughs> but my dad always says repentance is like going to the restroom and washing your hands. Don't live in the restroom, washing your hands. Number one, you're gonna have no skin left on your hands. Um, but number two, go, go, there's a, there's a table. Y there's a table set before you, so go. So after you repent, there's times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. Oh, oh thank you, Jesus. In all of our years of being here, eight years now, plus, eight plus, I never have we ever once declared that we were the only church that had the presence of God. I don't know. I haven't been to every church. I know that God is not so small. I know that right now God is moving in a village in, in, in Africa. I know that right now God is moving in a village in Alaska. I know that right now God is moving in Siberia. I know that God is moving. 
God is moving. He's not limited by me. He has other hands and other feet and other mouthpieces and other vessels. It's not just me, but I know that my, my cry and Pastor Caleb's cry is, Lord, put us in the center of whatever you're doing. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And it is such an honor. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all the miracles. Thank you, Lord, for all the people. Thank you, Lord, for marriages healed, for lives healed, for bodies healed, for minds healed. Lord Jesus, Oh, Lord, that they may see you, that they may see you in your glory, God, that they may experience you to whatever measure they allow. But I, I want unmeasured. Lord, I want to see you in all of your glory. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody just get on the keys right now. Play in the Holy Spirit. Like I said, the altar is open. And it's between you and God. Nobody else has to know. It's not about a counseling session. This is, this is altar time. Sunday is time with you and God. We've made space for the presence of God to come. And now it's between you and him for you to do business with God. And nobody else will touch you or bother you unless it's led by the Holy Spirit. And it's one of the approved pastors who know who works amongst us. Thank you, Jesus. Clean hands and a pure heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There's an old song, and don't try to play behind me for this. God is moving by his spirit. Can you stop the pad for a second? I'm going to botch it badly, Pastor Joe. Do you remember it? <laughs> I, he, he played the pad and the key just threw me. Can anybody sing it? Moving all over the earth. Signs and wonders when God moves. Moving all over the God is moving by his spirit, moving all over the earth. Signs and wonders when God moves, moving all over the Thank you, Jesus. If there, I don't even have to give an altar call. If there's anybody here who doesn't know the Lord and no looking around, every eye closed and every head bowed, and treat this space as sacred in the name of Jesus. Bring yourselves under subjection unto the Spirit of God, not the Spirit of Pastor Kirsten, the Spirit of God. Treat him holy. He is holy. The fear of the Lord is a very good thing. I don't have to give a call for those who don't know the Lord. You can come up here. I don't have to give a call for those who are sick in their body. You can come up here. I don't have to give a call for anything that you need. You can come up here and do business with God. And we are going, everybody else, you're just going to sit in your chair and you are going to pray in other tongues. You're going to pray in the heavenly language because I embrace everything in this Bible. The book of Acts is mine. The book of Acts is now. 
you're going to come up here and you're going to do business with God. And you're going to talk to the Lord and you're going to wait for him to speak to your heart. Because this is an atmosphere that is ready for him. Because this is an atmosphere that's ripe. Because God has blessed us. He has blessed us with a revival. He has blessed us with the move. He has blessed us with his power. And it is open and available to any that would call on him. It is not limited to just the River Claremont, but we fight and we contend for this holy space. And we fight and we contend for this pure space. And we fight and we contend to see his face. You above everything, Lord. Oh, Jesus. And the carnal-minded men and women, they can't handle it. And when the heat gets turned up, they run out the building. They grab their purse. They grab their Bible. They leave. They even say it's unbiblical, but they haven't even read it. They don't even know what it says, and they've never encountered him. I'm not serving a fake God. I'm not serving a God of old. Everybody's, un- everybody's comfortable with a miracle that took place 2,000 years ago. Are you comfortable with the miracle that can happen in your midst? Maybe you're not, but let your heart be open. Say, Lord, just say to the Lord, I am open to receive from your spirit. Joy, come up here. Just keys, just voice. Just lift him up. 